Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing today? You're doing good. It's great to see you all. Thank you for being in the room this morning. Thank you for joining us online today. We are in week six of our series that we have called Jesus Encounters. And what we are doing, we are going through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and seeing experiences that individuals had with Jesus, what he said, what they did, where they were from, all these different experiences. And it's so wonderful that we have these four Greco-Roman biographies about who Jesus is, what his ministry was all about. And the more we understand about Jesus, the more we understand about God. And as we have been saying every week, you know, the Bible is a very Jesus-centric book. The main star of the scripture is Jesus. The Old Testament is pointing to the fact that a Messiah is coming, and the New Testament says the Messiah is here. He died on the cross. God raised him from the dead. And so as we go through the scriptures, we know that we're seeing as we look at Jesus, learning about who God is, teaching us all of these things. And so as we've been saying every week, you know, Jesus, he said everything exactly right. He did everything exactly right. Never sinned. Has the correct view of God. Has the correct view of life. And so we can respect what he says as we look through the scriptures. So as we have been reading Every week, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 says this, Long ago and at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power, making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on the high. That Jesus is the radiance of God's glory, the exact imprint of God's nature. So as we go through these Gospels, we can see exactly what God is like. How he thinks, what he would do, how he would act, how he would respond. The disciples asked this question to Jesus, John chapter 14, verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. This should be the question that every human being asks. What is God like? Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So as we look at Jesus, we can understand what God is like. So as we've talked about so far in this series, the first five weeks, we talked about um, some of the uh, original encounters that the disciples had. Jesus said to them, said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow after Jesus. He's our Lord and our Savior. And then he wants to use you to be influential in other people's lives. He wants to use you to draw other people to Jesus. The second week, we talked about walking in the light. We talked about spiritual seeing, physical seeing. We, we, we talked about passing the test. What words are we living by? Week four, we talked about Jesus, the healer. Week five, last week, we talked about how Jesus reframed and rejected certain questions we talked about last week asking truer questions on how important that is for us in 2021. So if you missed any of those messages, I encourage you and go back online on our website and catch up with us today. All right, so the title of today's message is Fear Not. One of the things that we know that has happened to the world, we know what has happened with disease, and we know what's happened with politics in the last, you know, couple years. And all of those physical things went on, but there's something that has also enveloped the world, and it's something called fear. 
in association with all of these other things. And we, we can be so fearful, we've been going through lives fearful in so many different ways. And if you if you follow politics at all, and you know everybody blames the other side for doing this worse than the other side. But there's always political ads that want to scare you. If you vote for the other people, your life is really going to be bad. You need to be afraid. You cast a vote. And the other side says the exact same thing. So we're just afraid to vote for the wrong person. You know, and fear can just grip us. The scripture tells us that the devil, the enemy, is the deceiver of the brethren. And one of the ways that the enemy messes with us is to get us thinking wrong. And fear is one of those things that just gets our lives going in a negative, wrong direction. Now, there is a positive side to fear, uh, sort of reverential, um, being wise. You know, a few years ago, my wife and I had the opportunity to go to Washington State and the West Coast of the United States. And there's some beautiful mountains over there, and sometimes they have roads that run right beside these mountains. And we came up across this one space, there was this mountain, and the rock face was straight up. And right at the bottom of this mountain was a road, and on the other side of it was a lake. So we got up to this one certain spot on the road, and what they were doing is in this rock face, somebody was rappelling down from the top and placing explosive charges in this mountain to remove the loose rock. So we had to wait there about an hour and we saw these explosions and we saw the rocks down covering the road and you know, then they would plow away the rocks. And obviously there's signs there that say falling rocks. And so that what they try to do is prevent a rock from falling on a car. But you know, how many know that's good information to have? If you're walking in a certain space, you might want to avoid the falling rocks. Now, here in this place, it's kind of a catch-22 because you're like, avoid the falling rocks, but then you also couldn't drive fast because there was a twisty and turny road. So it's like, avoid the falling rocks, but you can't do anything about it because you can't drive fast. And we can get in situations where we should actually follow the signs that say danger, beware. The scripture reminds us a bunch of those things. You know, it's good to have a warning, right? If, if there's if there's a cliff, you don't want to go over the cliff because there's danger over the cliff. But we all know at different times in our lives, we've ignored the signs. We've ignored the wisdom. And that's the positive side of fear. The positive side of fear is like, hey, somebody's been this way before. Don't go over the cliff. Watch out for this. Have this. Have a measure of respect. And then also the scripture tells us that... The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now, what does that mean when it means to fear God? That word fear also means reverence, respect. So God doesn't want to cower at, a, at him and who he is and at his presence, but what he does want from us is he wants us to reverence him. He wants us to respect him. He wants us to be in awe of him. But fear is the opposite of that. It's good to be reverential, towards God, but it's bad to be afraid of the wrong thing, to put our awe, our worship in negative possibilities. We can see this over and over again in our lives. Anxiety, when it crops up, what, what's happening to us, we have an unknown future coming up or something, it's a certain circumstance and 
oh man, I'm, I'm anxious about this meeting, or I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about going for that job interview, or I'm nervous to go to the school. And so anxiousness, fear can crop up in our lives at any moment. And like I said, the world is filled with fear right now. And it's easy for us to just uh, give into it. But over and over again, we see God would show up in very specific circumstances and he would say, fear not. We see Jesus uh, showing up in the Old Testament. Actually, you know, we would see the angel of the Lord and the angel of the Lord would show up and it's called a Christophany. That Jesus would show up and God would show up in the Old Testament that he would manifest himself to people. And then a lot of times he would just say, don't be afraid. And we see Jesus talking to his disciples over and over again. And he would say to them, fear not, don't be afraid. That we can actually learn to overcome fear, not be subject to it. Not have reverence for the wrong things in our lives, but have reverence for God. Have the wisdom of God and, and respect him and who he is, but not give over to fear of all of these other things. Because, man, fear can dominate your life. And if fear dominates your life, you will do nothing. You can just be overcome by fear. You can be paralyzed by fear. The negative part of fear. Let me tell you what fear can do to your body. Fear can weaken your immune system. This negative side of fear. Just nervous about the future. One of the worst things that you can do if you have a pain in your body somewhere is Google it. Because for sure, the first or second link says you're going to die the next day. And then what happens? We Google it, and then we're just afraid, and, and fear could just overtake us. And this is what fear is. A, a lot of times, it, it's fear of shadows, things that might be. And we can place so many negative things in our mind, and this is what the enemy does to people, wants us to have awe about these negative possibilities as opposed to reverencing our God who holds our days. Amen? That we can put our trust in him for our future, not being in awe of what the enemy is trying to purport to us what might happen. Have you ever been frozen by what might happen? And then you did it anyway, and nothing happened. All of those negative things that you dreamed up, it was totally fine. Parents, this is really important for you with your kids. The stuff that your kids are afraid to do, like, I don't want to go talk to this teacher. I don't want to apply for this job. We're going anyway. You can't let your kids live in fear that there's things that they have to overcome. And parents, you can help your kids overcome those things that they're afraid of. Because when they see, hey, it wasn't as bad as we thought, I can do the next thing without you, mom and dad. I, I remember early on, you know, I, I, I had to work from when I was 16 years old. And, you know, in those early days, a little bit nervous. And so I would have my dad drive me to the job interview. Could, obviously can't go in with me. He's 16. My dad's here to vouch for me. It's not a good idea. Take me to the job interview. And then I came on. I'm like, hey, that wasn't so bad. And the next job interview, I knew I could go alone, that my parents had helped me to overcome that fear. We don't want to be gripped and dominated by fear. So fear can weaken our immune system. Fear can cause cardiovascular 
disease. Fear, we know this. Anxiousness, worry can cause ulcers. Think about that. The emotions we're subjected to or we're allowing our lives to be subjected to. We know when someone is overstressed, what can happen? They can get an ulcer. Worry, immaterial ideas causing physical damage to our bodies. Do we think this is an important subject? Such an important subject. Gastrointestinal problems, sleeping problems. We all can testify that this is true. We're afraid of something that's coming up. And so what are we doing? We're just up at night thinking about it and going over it, thinking about it and going over it. See, God wants to interrupt all of these things. God does does not want us to be afraid. And here's something we can all agree is not a good thing. Fear causes accelerated aging. So you could have the best skin cream in the world, but if you're living in fear... It's not going to work. So we don't want to live in fear, anxiety, and worry. So we're going to look at a bunch of scriptures today that just helped us. And, I, you know, a lot of times when I'm uh, preaching, or all of the time actually when I'm preaching, what I like to do is I just like to go to the scripture first. And I just gather a bunch of scriptures. And then generally speaking, those scriptures categorize themselves together, and then those become the points that I preach on. But as I pulled all of these verses about fear, we see over and over again, as you'll see with me today, we'll see fear mentioned, and then the antidote is in the same context, which is fantastic. So this is kind of a nine-point message, but it's just because they're in the scripture this way. Now it's not going to be as long as you would think a nine-point message is. But it's just nine different thoughts in the scripture that will help us to overcome fear. So here we go. Number one, Luke 10. And this is a story of Mary and Martha. Now, they, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted by much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone? To serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. So we here we have two sisters, most likely the older sister is in the kitchen taking care of everything. And the younger sister is out there hanging out with Jesus, not doing stuff. But then the older sister is like, you know, Jesus, I've got all these things. Tell my sister to come help me. And Jesus didn't say that there was something wrong with serving because we're all called to serve. But he said, you're anxious about many things. See, we all need to do many things. We all have a lot of responsibilities. But what we don't want to do with all of the things that we have to do and are called to do and should do is be anxious about it. We don't need to add that anxiousness, that fear, that sort of unsettled feeling on the inside of me. See, we can have a party and have a get-together, and we can be excited that people are coming over to our house, or we can be crazy anxious and nervous that people are coming to our house and have no joy about the fact that we're having to host a Christmas party in a couple of weeks, and the house is not ready, and what are we going to feed everybody? And get the kids, get the vacuum out. 
and all of the joy that goes out at the Christmas party. It's the additional emotion. Jesus said that it wasn't just the sitting at the feet. It was like all of the extra fear and the anxiety that Martha was facing. Anxious about many things. Troubled about many things. So what is one of the solutions here in the story about anxiety? Sitting at the Lord's feet. Giving our attention to the Lord. See, and right away, we can see that fear is about giving our awe to the wrong thing. Our worship, our attention. Again, it's not that serving is bad. It's the how we serve. It shouldn't be with anxiety. It shouldn't be wrought with fear. Matthew chapter 6. Another story here from the Sermon on the Mount. This one is about seeking God's ways. Matthew 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. How many think that's a pretty direct sermon from Jesus? Don't be anxious about your life. But Lord this, but Lord this, but Lord this, but Lord this, Lord, don't you know this? Jesus, don't be anxious about your life. Listen, what you eat, what you will drink, not about your body, what you put on, is not life more than food and the body more, more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Look at the animals. Have you ever seen an animal wringing its hands and worry about it, where its next meal comes from? No. The, the, the provision of God. God will provide. Verse 27, And which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? Which of you? What's, what, what is the answer? Nobody. Does anxiousness shorten our lives or extend our lives? Man, it just shortens our lives and it ruins the days that we have. Being anxious all the time, it's, there's, no, there's no value in worry. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field that they grow, neither do they toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if so, God will close the grass of the field, which today is alive and is tomorrow thrown in the oven. Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, not, do not be anxious. Again, Jesus is saying it over and over again. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear for the Gentiles? Seek after these things. And what does that mean? Referring to the Gentiles, it means the people who don't have a covenant with God. People who don't have a relationship with God, that's how they act. Because they are, in their mind, all they have for their future is themselves. We should have a different thought about our lives. We should know that God is taking care of us. I'm not going to act like somebody who doesn't have a relationship with God. I'm going to act like, hey, man, I actually have a relationship with God. I know God. For the Gentiles, seek after thee all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow. He said it again. Do you think the law of repetition here, what is he trying to do? He's trying to teach us something. 
don't, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Over and over again, Jesus told us, don't be anxious. And then how are we supposed to act? How are we supposed to live? We're supposed to live like we have a relationship with God. Let's not act like we have little faith. I have my faith in God for my future. Here's a story of uh, the healing in the context of healing of Jairus' daughter. And this tells us that we're going to choose faith over fear. Earlier in the series, I talked about the woman with the issue of blood, how she got healed. Now, in that context, the greater context of Mark, before this story, there was a guy who came to Jesus who had a sick daughter. His name was Jairus. And he said, you know, come, my daughter's sick. Uh, will you heal her? And Jesus said, oh, yeah, let's go. And on the way to Jairus' house is when the, the healing of the woman with the issue of blood happened. And then right after that story, verse 35, while he was still speaking, while he was still referencing the woman who got healed, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. How many know this is the worst news ever? So here, this woman got healed, and you could be thinking, you know, she got healed, but she caused the delay so Jesus couldn't come and pray for my daughter. Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. Do you hear Jesus interrupting fear? He interrupts it. Listen, it's not a sin to face fear. All of us are going to face fear. But you have to know the voice of the Lord is interrupting the fear you are facing. Do not fear. Jesus is listening in, says the driver. Don't fear. Only believe. Only put your trust in God. And this should be our mechanism. When we see ourselves and fear is coming at us, we should hear the words of Jesus. Don't fear. Only believe. Put your trust in me instead of images, stuff that's showing up on Google, stuff that's showing up on the news. What about this? And what about this? And what about this? Don't fear. Only believe. We're going to need God to help us to navigate our future anyway, aren't we? We certainly do. Why would we allow our mind to be overcome with all of these things? Instead of all of that, Jesus says, don't fear, only believe. Next one, in the context of Jesus walking on the water. Mark chapter 6, verse 50, for they saw him and they were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them. Now, based on what we've already read in all of these verses about anxiety and fear, what is Jesus going to do? He's going to interrupt their fear with something else. They're afraid. Jesus is walking on the water. What does he say? Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. What does take heart mean? Take heart means be courageous. Be 
courageous. This is what God said to Joshua, the beginning of the book of Joshua. Hey, hey, don't be afraid. Take courage. Courage will overcome fear. And what, what kind of courage? The courage is that says, take heart, it is I. In other words, God is with you. You're not going alone. You are not going into your future alone. With all of these negative thoughts and negative possibilities and quantum things that might happen in this universe or some other. God is with me. I don't have to be afraid. I can be courageous. But Pastor Brent, I'm just not naturally a courageous person. Fine, no problem. Let's take the word of God, though, instead. What is the Lord doing? The Lord is interrupting our fear with other thoughts. What did we say at the beginning? The tactic of the enemy is to deceive you, to get you thinking wrong. The Lord interrupts fear over and over again. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. So we have to rightly judge the thoughts that are coming into our mind. Next thing. Children are more confident with the parents' support. How much more so with the support of our Heavenly Father? Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For we, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, whom you cry, Abba, Father. That just means, instead of, instead of just father, it's like dad. It's a close term. And if children and heirs of God, sorry, I skipped some verses. Verse 16, the spirit of God himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children and heirs, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. I am a child of God. Remember on the playground when you were a kid, you'd be like, my dad is bigger than your dad. My dad could beat up your dad. It was foolish talk because nobody's dad is fighting on the playground. <laughs> but we have this image that our father is strong. How much more should we think that our heavenly father is strong? I'm a child of God. I don't have to be afraid. All of these shadows, these images, these might be's. I'm not giving them the rulership of my heart. I'm a child of God. God is with me. Next one, humility is a way out of fear. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at a proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So what do we got to do? We got to humble ourselves. All of the stuff that you're anxious about, again, it's not a sin to face fear. But God is giving us instructions as to what to do with the anxieties that come our way. What are we supposed to do? Cast it onto him. Push it off onto the Lord. And we need to verbally say, Lord, I cast that care on you. That anxiety, that nervousness. Why? Because he cares goes really well with Romans 8. Why does he care for you? Because he's your, he's your dad. You're his child. 
the things that you're anxious about, the things that you're nervous about, God is going to help you navigate those things. So what do we do? I cast all my anxiety on you, Lord. I cast all my cares, the King James says, I cast all my nervousness. I cast it all on you because he cares for you. You got to say it out of your mouth because they keep coming. And you, sometimes you, you're successful. It's like, okay, I got that off and gone. And then you wake up and that fear is still there. Lord, I cast that care on you. I cast that anxiety on you because I know that you care for me. Again, interrupting fear. Isaiah chapter 40, uh, Isaiah 41 rather, and this is about leaning on God's strength. Isaiah 41 verse 10, fear not. Sorry, did I wake some of you up? <laughs> For I am with you. God says that he is with you. Listen, you are going to have to face some stuff in your future, some hard stuff. But the good news is, God is with you. So I don't have to be afraid. I could be courageous. Because God is with me. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is going to uphold me as I go into the future, as I go into the unknown of my future. I know God is upholding me. He's with me. I don't have to be afraid. That's better than the flip chart in your mind. The slideshow in your mind about what negative thing might be. I know God is with me. What is he doing? He's upholding me with his righteous right hand. That's a representation, uh, representative of his strength. How many of you think God is stronger than us? Yes. And so when we're going into the future, he's upholding me with his strength. I don't have to be afraid. He says at the beginning, that I shouted a minute ago, fear not. God should be the stronghold of my thoughts. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? What is the answer to that? Nobody shouldn't be afraid. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. Amen. Lord is the stronghold of my life. What does that mean? That God should be the first thought that I think when I think about my future, not anxiety, not fear, not worry. It's, it's kind of this, these, these words here is kind of like, come what may, God is with me. God is on my side. God is strong. Last set of verses. See, that was nine points. It wasn't that long. God's love delivers us 
from fear. 1 John 4, verse 15. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in them. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. Verse 18, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So when we're allowing anxiety and worry and fear to dominate our hearts and minds, what are we missing out on? God, who is perfect love, loves you. See, the reason God loves you is not, and the reason God loves me is not because we're perfect, because we are not. But it's because God is ultimate love. He loves you because of his own character and nature. And since God loves me, I don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid today. We don't have to be afraid tomorrow. Whatever comes, whatever happens, I know God, who is love, loves me. He's got my now. He's got my tomorrow. He's got my eternity. I trust him. So let's do like Mary in the very first story we read today that we're just going to remind ourselves fear comes, when anxiety comes, when worry comes, I get to see myself sitting at his feet, giving my attention to him, not all of the other stuff that's going on, I'm not giving my worship to all the other stuff, but I'm giving my attention to him. We still have a lot of things to do, we still have a lot of responsibilities, but the affection of my heart goes to him. I don't have to be afraid. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your word that interrupts fear that would come our way. You told us not to be anxious. You told us not to worry, to not be afraid. So we just take a few moments to sit at your feet and to remind ourselves of your goodness to remind ourselves of your love for us. God, we are so thankful that you are upholding us with your strong, righteous right arm. That my thoughts are filled with who you are, your goodness and your love toward us. That is, you showed us over and over again in your word today that I can interrupt anxiety and fear and worry with your word, with your ways, with your kingdom. We thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
said yes to Jesus never made him the Lord of your life. I'm going to pray a prayer here in a second, whether you're here in the room or you're watching online. I invite you to pray along with me. The gospel, the good news, is all about Jesus, that he came, he lived a sinless life, he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead so that we can have a relationship with God for ourselves. And it just comes as a gift. God just offers it to us, and all we have to do is say yes. Say yes to his righteousness and what righteousness means, just right standing with God. And we don't achieve right standing with God in and of ourselves, of our own goodness. We just say yes to Jesus by making him our Lord and Savior. So if you've never done that today, I invite you to pray along with me. So church, we're all, all going to pray this out loud together to help those that are maybe praying this for the first time. So let's bow our head and close our eyes and let's pray this out loud. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life and he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. So I say yes to that relationship today. I say yes to your righteousness. God, I call you my father. And Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I purpose to follow after your ways. And I turn to my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's congratulate those that did that for the first time. Hey, if that is you today and you said yes to Jesus for the very first time, we actually have some materials that we would love to put into your hand. They're there available at the info desk in the lobby. If you just ask one of our team members, they will be happy to put those materials in your hand to help you on your journey of faith. And that's what we say about faith in Jesus. It is a discipleship journey. It's not just a one-day thing. This is a starting point, but we invite you on the journey of discipleship with the rest of us. And if you are watching online, if you email us, at info at thecitychurch.ca and you pray that prayer for the first time, we will send you those same materials that we are giving out here in the building. Hey, also, I know we're having new people arrive at the building from time to time. If you are brand new um, at the City Church, maybe you started watching us online and you came to the building today, if you also head to the info desk at the lobby, we would love to connect with you and give you some stuff and let you know a little bit more about our church. But thank you for being here today. Thanks for coming to church today, and we will see you next Sunday as we finish off our series, Jesus Encounters. Have a great day.